Well, unfortunately for him, he went from doing six years to no years because Shiva <laughs> murders this man on the spot for even thinking about doing this. Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I am Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. This season, we're getting whelmed for DC's greatest sidekicks and covering every episode of Young Justice on... Yeah, another DC animated podcast, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Welcome to yet another episode of yet another DC animated podcast. My name is Shamar Griffith, codenamed Comic Shams. And I am Andrew Tejada, codenamed Arate. Andrew and I have known each other since 1996. That was the year Lunchables was the number one snack. And, you know, it's just a bunch of just random items coming together to make one semi-decent product. It wasn't flawless by any means. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh... They all came together, and that was also the debut of Pizza Lunchables, which I hated. Oh, you hated the Pizza Lunchables? I hated the Pizza Lunchables. I just, it didn't, it tasted like cardboard to me. It wasn't, it did not taste like anything. Okay, yes, the bread did taste like cardboard. In fact, I'm pretty sure that it was cardboard, but the rest of it was good. Just didn't get that past that cardboard. The the base was wrong. You can't just put a bunch of stuff together that doesn't belong, some an inorganic and organic together, it doesn't always work. Right? <laughs> Very true. Very true. I see where you did there. I see it now. I was I was like, why is he talking about Lunchables? Is he hungry? Also, this makes so much sense because I was just like, I don't think I've ever actually seen you eat Lunchables from when we were growing up. No, okay. we, were, we went to the same elementary school. I never, never came to school with a Lunchable. <laughs> well, wow. Um, So... Lunchables, sorry to say that you did not hold the candle to the yet another DC animated podcast crew. <laughs> I have fond memories of it, but I guess it's just because I like charcuterie boards now. But there you go. We will not be sponsored by Big Lunchable, but I, I think we can take that. <laughs> uh, but we are going to be sponsored by this group of heroes today, some of whom you may say, as we mentioned, have come together organically and inorganically. Um, because today we get a deep dive on one character in particular as we see his origin story play out between our next three episodes of Young Justice Outsiders. We are now in episodes 9 through 11 as we cover Home Fires, Exceptional Human Beings, and last but not least, Another Freak. Timing for these episodes is September 28th to October 15th. And because of some of the stuff that comes up, there is... look. Um, we got. I think we got to put it out there now. Um, these episodes are not suitable for kids <laughs> at certain points, <laughs> uh, mainly because we do see a lot of death. We do see a lot of straight up murder, uh, a lot of terrible accidents that happen. Uh, so this is one of those parents be cautious when you're playing this episode because we see a lot. But because of um, that, plus. A little bit of technological knowledge, I felt like it was important to combine these two and call this episode the new kill switch. Oh, yes, because as you <laughs> said, there's going to be a lot of death. going to be yeah. a lot of death here. <laughs> so first up, we got our cast list now. We got Roger Craig Smith, who is um, who is a great voice actor, has done a lot of work between Marvel and DC. 
Um, he is returning to Young Justice as the voice of Ocean Master, a.k.a. Orm. Next up, a probably big killer in our set of episodes today, David Sobolov. David Sobolov is not the killer, but he is voicing killer <laughs> Lobo. Uh, Fred Tadeskior is Deathstroke and Metamorpho in this one. Um, soon to be Metamorpho, soon to be played by Anthony Kerrigan. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Mm, yes. Let's go. Next up, another man who is very familiar with uh, Machete. We got Dan- Danny Trejo, who is returning as Bane. Man, there's a lot of killers on this list. <laughs> yeah, these are cold, cold stone killers, man. Mm-hmm. And that kill train is going to continue because um, we have the voice, the English voice of Hawks from the My Hero Academia show. Uh, sorry if that was any spoilers for anybody, but Zeno Robinson, who does that voice, is pulling off some additional voice work as the new heroes Steel and Victor Stone, uh, soon to be called Cyborg, but not in these set of episodes. Uh, next up, Carrie Payton is returning, showing that once again, if there is a Black character in our show, he will voice them. <laughs> <laughs> as he has moved from playing his typical Victor Stone Cyborg character as now voicing um, Silas Stone, which is, to me... I think a shift has happened more recently. He's still doing the voice work in other productions, but having Carrie playing Silas Stone is pretty cool to me. Zara Fazal is adding another voice because she is now not only uh, Violet Harper, which is a name that we'll soon learn, but she's also Harper Rowe. Wait, so, oh, this is going to be weird later. Yeah, it will be. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, uh, to wrap up our kill train, we have someone who has 20 years of voice acting experience across television, video games, and movies, as we have Gwendolyn Yao, who's providing the voice of Sandra Wusan, a.k.a. Lady Sheba. Oh, yes. Yes. Very, very great. Yeah. All around. All right, so now that our cast list is set, let's Zeta Tube over to the fiery beginnings of Home Fires. Yeah, so right now you know it's bad because Vandal Savage and Queen Bee are scheming together. And to make things even worse, Vandal has a questionable new hire to try and take care of business. And right when you're wondering who this could be, we cut to a, a planet where it appears that aliens are selling meth like they were in Guardians of the Galaxy 3. <laughs> and while they're in the middle of a deal, we see the main man himself, Lobo. And we remember the last time he came to Earth, but he's coming back again. And we don't know who his target is, but we just know he's coming to Happy Harbor. Yes, and this time it's personal. Not really. He's just getting paid. (laughs) Uh, So we hop on over to uh, before we get to Happy Harbor, we do have to hop on over to Central City where Iris West is watching the news. She's watching um, Aquaman by Wishamine Calder announce the opening of the MetaHuman Youth Center. Um, So as we know through our series or season so far, the Justice League has been dealing with the fact that Kids are being taken due to their metahuman abilities being activated through forceful means. So they've created a youth center for these children and teens after um, being recovered from an incident of metahuman trafficking to finally get the help that they need to not only reacclimate to what's been going on in their lives, but also more importantly, learn how to work alongside their powers because unfortunately, these are abilities they can't get rid of. Um, 
Cat Grant is on the news talking about this. He's covering the story. And this leads into a joke that I realized that I have also forgotten about myself, that Iris Plus Allen is actually a reporter. Um, we forget that a lot. Not on the, not when watching The Flash on the CW, but everywhere oh, else. <laughs> yes, everywhere else. So as Iris is continuing to watch this news, she we learned that also that Eduardo Dorado Sr. is going to be heading up the work that is happening at this youth center. And at the same time, we see that um, Iris and Barry have had their twins, uh, the twins that were first mentioned back in season two when Bart first arrived here through the Bloodline episode. Um, they also have powers. They are two toddlers with super speed. And this I feel like this is probably kids running away is already every parent's like worst nightmare. This times it by speed force is the worst thing ever. Thankfully, though, Bart is here to catch them. Yeah, they, they do need like little speed force anklets, though, because <laughs> Barry cannot always be there. Uh, Barry sometimes gets defeated by corners. So I can imagine what two toddlers <laughs> would do. So... Yeah, there's a great gag here, too, about Bart saying uh, hi to his dad, who is running around on the floor. And Iris is like, please don't do that. And he's like, OK, Grandma. She's like, oh, don't do that either. And um, as they are having fun with the kids and more people are arriving, we cut to Granny Goodness, who is giving us an update on the VR goggles with G. Gordy Godfrey. <laughs> That's my my nickname for him, G Gordy. <laughs> G Gordy, yeah. <laughs> hey, Gordy from us. If you've seen us, you'll get it. Um, so Gordy is tearing down these VR goggles. He he thinks there are they're just distracting the youth. They're too much, and you know it's kind of it, they kind of predicted a few things here. Right. I feel like uh, with again the Google goggles, and they're not popular yet but the vr headsets i'm sure will really like take off and every kid will have them eventually but for now she's just downplaying that these are addictive that they're just harmless um bruce wayne would support but he's not showing up to the interview apparently he's too busy we cut back to happy harbor where superboy and mcgann are fine so that line <laughs> in the last episode about them fighting is uh, it just doesn't even matter yeah, they have mended their fences. Um, <laughs> uh, but what is happening, though, is that we see that Superboy, along with Forger and Brion, are in the room watching this happening. As uh, McGann enters Connor, it's it's a quick little beat where I think it kind of matches up a little bit with probably what's happening in our own reality, where as Connor is watching it, he realizes that Megan is there, so he quickly turns off the TV and at first, she wonders, like, why are you even listening to this garbage being spewed out on this cable news network that, um, you know, may or may not have covered the presidential election in some way, shape or form. But he's just like, I just want to make sure that I know exactly what's being said by people like this, because he needs to know. At the same time, though, Snapper, Lucas Carr, he enters. He is now the principal of Happy Harbor High School. Um, so he's there to engage in a carpool with McGann so they could head to school together, where I believe McGann is now working as probably like a guidance counselor over there. Um, but this turns our attention over to Brion, who is wearing a Bluetooth headset while listening to his brother Gregor um, during a press conference announcing that all the Karaki refugees that were in uh, Markovia are going to be allowed to stay there. However, there is still this 
banned from for metahumans to enter into Markovia. Yeah, so him really being focused on that is going to become a running theme. Uh, but meanwhile, over at Iris's house, we see that a more super children and their parents are arriving. At one point, Will is asked about Artemis. And I think this is very smart because he kind of like, no, there's nothing going on. And if Cheshire was your your wife and you were hanging out with the sister, her sister. No, no, mm-hmm. I don't. I'm, you're not. Don't even do don't. not even think in that direction. <laughs> um, Will Will is making the right choice here. And we also see, again, the babies are just pouring in. Amistad, son of Rocket, uh, is pointing out babies and who's pregnant so we're seeing a lot of children arriving and of course everything can't be happy because there is hint that someone is watching them arriving and totaling up the numbers they're looking through a sniper rifle and (laughs) speaking of sniper rifle let's cut back to the other (laughs) members of our group Yes, we hop on over to a secluded area where uh, Forger, Superboy, Geoforce, they arrive by Supercycle. Um, Tigress and Halo are already there training. And they also get surprised by Helga and Jefferson, who have come to just say hello. Uh, Helga apologizes to Brion about everything that's happened and that she mainly just did this. So gave him these abilities so that he can, because she thought it could help. Which he's getting to a point now where he's understanding, but it's probably because he is shifting his blame now over to Nightwing. And um, you might even say that, as you mentioned, some heavy fire happens because Nightwing just starts shooting up the crowd. Um, He has a sniper rifle and he is aiming it over at the team to which Jefferson calmly states, all right, let's... uh." For all the people not involved, let's uh let's head on over to the left side of the room here while the rest of the team, by which I mean Forger, Geoforce, and Halo, engage Nightwing in this surprise attack. And I do love this because I was like, okay, I guess Nightwing does not have the same problem with guns as Batman does. <laughs> <laughs> and after Halo and Forger are able to dodge and counterattack. Geoforce completely fails, gets an F grade. And Nightwing brings up that these are just rubber bullets. Everything is harmless. Of course, Brion is still mad because friends don't usually shoot sniper rifles at other friends. And Nightwing's point is we do not want a repeat of Infinity Island. And he kind of makes a good point that if he's getting clowned by Nightwing and some rubber bullets... Ain't no way he's going to survive a tussle with the League of Assassins. Word. So as he's saying, you need to train for surprise attacks. Lobo, with perfect comedic timing, descends, crashes down into the ground, and reveals that he's here to kill Forager. Yeah, this is a shocking reveal here because it's just like, what did Forager do to anybody? I mean... (laughs) My man's out here just literally trying to understand Earth humor by his very long and it was very, it was a very like run to the ground joke that he keeps doing, trying to understand Earth customs. It's very, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but as they are fighting, this leads into a very dangerous scenario for a lot of them. Um, Everybody tries to leap in to try and save Forger. This forces 
Nightwing, uh, Tigress, and Superboy to even jump in, as well as uh, Black Lightning. However, the more that they try to protect Forager, the more they realize that they are somehow outmaneuvered by this man. And this is mainly because Lobo's healing factor is out of this world. Um, this man was burned alive. He was electrocuted. He had limbs cut off, or rather a pinky or a thumb cut off. And he just kept going. He just kept going. So when Forger gets flown away by Halo a little bit, uh, Lobo's really tight. He is, of course, using his insensitive terms of keezy femme and bostitches, which I'm like, little by little, these are definitely curse words. These are slurs, man. These I'm feeling sl- these are like some some crazy space slurs. <laughs> you just like see Lobo here and say, what you say? <laughs> Lobo canceled on his <laughs> galactic news. Um, but during this battle, he does use his um one of his weapons to bring Halo back down by impaling her. And this leads into Brion going into once again another aggravated state to try and stop Lobo before he hurts anybody else. Yeah, and it, this is a graphic scene, by the way. You see every internal organ Halo has mm-hmm. left. <laughs> so this is a hint that these episodes are a little bit darker than your usual. The These were the ones that aired primarily on DC Universe, correct? Yeah, these are the ones that were just like, you know what? People could pay for this one. We'll give them the dark and gory stuff. Yeah, this ain't no Cartoon Network anymore. So... We cut from the battle and see that Jonathan and Lois Lane were the last two to arrive to the party. This was when I realized that scheduling this event must have been a nightmare and a half because <laughs> ain't no way Lois's schedule lines up with anybody's alone. And here it's revealed across the street that Orm is the assassin, Ocean Master himself. And he is getting ready to, to get at it, but Lady Shiva shows up and says, "Hey, what you doing there, buddy? You gonna you gonna snipe? You gonna snipe some uh, some Justice League kids?" And as they're con- conversing, Shiva calls this. Oh, you know, we at the light say this is the nuclear option. We could do this, but it's mutually assured destruction, and we're not about that life. But Orm is just so mad because he did <laughs> he did six years in prison, so he's gonna. This is such a disproportionate retribution. It really uh, is. <laughs> it was, my man did a six-year bid, and he's just like, I'm going to end your whole entire line? What? Yeah. Well, unfortunately for him, he went from doing six years to no years because Shiva <laughs> murders this man on the spot for even thinking about doing this. <laughs> and with the assassin taken out of the way, we can now focus on the main man. Yeah, so now that um, we see that Halo is recovering um, using her violet aura, uh, this leads into Forger using uh, a little bit of Halo's help of her green ability to create multiple versions of himself. He immediately starts attacking Lobo, but then one in particular gets caught by Lobo and as he is, as is caught, Lobo decides to do one final one punch man move 
that goes right through the body of the curled up forager, much to the shock of everybody around. Um, we don't know what's happening, what to do. Everybody is just standing in shock um, as Lobo continues to beat what we now believe to be the uh, the deceased corpse of Forager. And this is when Lobo decides he's going to call forward his, um, his own super cycle that was already engaged in battle with Superboy's super cycle. So as he does that and escapes, this is where everybody comes together to try to say their goodbyes to Forager. Enro also he fails the first time because he's missing a finger. <laughs> but oh right, I forgot about the whistle. <laughs> yes, he tries to whistle, but Halo had removed a finger, so he finds that very difficult. But as they're all ready to mourn their fallen friend, it's revealed that Forager has a skill where he can shed his exoshell and just be left as like this goopy version of himself. And while Halo is right to not hug him, and Brion does. Artemis <laughs> welcomes him to the Fake Your Own Death Club. <laughs> and um, it, it's a really great moment because it really shows Artemis opening up and accepting these new people. And that Forger feels that they fought so hard for him. So he feels part of the family. And as we cut away and we go cut to the light and... We find out that they're the whole point of this was different than you might think, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, so I do uh, one, I guess I did appreciate the fact that we got an explanation as to why this happened. So this was so as to show um based off of Count Vertigo's account about what happened in the first episode here. They now were able to confirm that it was Superboy and um, Black Lightning who were a part of Nightwing's team back when they were in um, Markovia. So by being able to explain this, they now know that there is this rather covert team at work that also includes the likes of Cre of King of Brion, uh, Halo, and Forger. So each of these people that are present we see that they have these new members of the light we have lex luther clarion the witch boy ultra humanite deathstroke and now even, even the more surprising um appearance of a new member gretchen good aka granny goodness who assures this episode by the end of this episode that her friends are in place to deal with these naughty children yes again how that connects to i could they have not sent a drone, you know, just flying over the house and been like, hey, yeah, it's like they're all together. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like a little callback to like, uh, um, like, remember, I'm just thinking about that episode of Static where um, what's his name? Ebon was just like where Talon was just like, um, yo, look, that dude is static based on our video footage. And Ebon was just like, nah, man, man, dudes where they head like that. <laughs> so <laughs> I feel like out of this group, Ultra Humanite will probably come through and be like, nah, man. There are mad bugs like that in the, on Earth. Look at me. I'm a gorilla. <laughs> like, what, what do you think? Get it. They had to confirm. I'd <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, beat to end, but we start off with a strong beat in, in Exceptional Human Beings, where we see Metamorpho, Katana, and Batman are on a dark op. So... They're not even talking out loud. They're just doing everything silently to land 
on everyone's favorite Airbnb villain home, Santa Prisca, Baines Island. <laughs> and it looks like they're trying to find Tara Markov, continuing that plot line. And while I don't know about the whole using Metamorpho as a like bungee cord, I'm not really yeah. sure if that's the best method here. Um, but I am sure that we're introduced to a new character that we're all very interested in after this opening scene. Yes, we are introduced to the man himself, the worst father of the year, Silas Stone. <laughs> and of course, he is in the worst security secured place of all time, Star Labs. <laughs> um, he's on the phone call with his son, Victor. Uh, Victor, of course, in just a quick rundown, this is a, it's a lot like the scene from our uh, Justice League War episode where Victor is calling and saying, hey, dad, you coming to the game? And Salas is just like, nah, there's more important things in life than your fo silly football games. Um, but we do see a really cool sequence as he does cut this call short because he does have to answer a call from Steel, who is in the Watchtower. Uh, Steel is letting him know that... Um, he really does want Silas to review this father box that they were able to um, able to acquire this father box. He does share a, that it can rep uh, repair apocalyptic technology. It was heal healing the parademons. Um, so he wants Silas to look into it, to see what are they truly up against as they are getting closer and closer fight to fight against dark side but the main thing that we do that does get brought up is that father boxes appear to be pure evil which silas states that's impossible because no technology is evil it is a matter of how people use it ah fantastic line fantastic mm -hmm. line and it'll definitely be followed up on but for right now metamorpho has to become a human fart I'm I'm sorry. Is this in his power set to become a human fart? Yes, yes. I, I I'm I'm also pretty sure that he wasn't supposed to actually be a fart. I think he's supposed to be gas. But this does make me question what are Metamorpho's like hygiene habits? Like, does he is he like a shower once in a while kind of dude now? Because apparently it was stank. Yeah, I, I'm gonna need a review of this man's power set. But <laughs> <laughs> until then. Um, so they he uses that power to sneak past a few more guards. We also get a, a rapid <laughs> again. I don't know what these McGann Superboy scenes are this season because we just get a random cutaway to Superboy in a room with McGann where she beckons him to help her adjust the the plumbing in the bathroom uh, mm -hmm. because she's doesn't have any clothes, so only Superboy could run in there and and fix things for her. So after that. <laughs> scene is there that doesn't get followed up on by the way that's who put that in there who put that in there but... <laughs> we we want names with the man who did it but while superboy's running after mcgann nightwing is in the middle of the most intense game of tag since the movie tag with jeremy runner Honestly, it also was a great film. If you just want something to watch <laughs> randomly on a rainy Sunday afternoon, put on tag. Tag, something to watch. That's our official endorsement. <laughs> uh, so as he is engaging in this game of tag, um, 
this is where we do see get a chance to see that like the team is growing. Geoforce, Halo, and Forger, they are getting better at their, their abilities despite the whole fight fight that they have with um Lobo right before where they showed the full extent. But someone who's also applauding their work is Jefferson and Helga, who are watching from the distance. And as they're observing, um, Helga Jace does mention that they are really great kids, to which Jefferson states, don't you mean your kids? Um, This brings up a scene from our previous episode where during the attack, Helga Jace yells out, protect my kids, Um, which was very shocking to hear especially because she has no particular relation to any of these individuals. So when Jefferson kind of questions her about it, she just states, oh, it's because I've been involved in their lives for so long uh, with Brionne specifically. And then with Halo, just trying to get to know her, it feels like they are connected to me in this way. Um, But it doesn't give Jefferson, we don't get a chance to really kind of like dive into this a little bit more um, because we head on back to Santa Prisca where Katana and Metamorpho have discovered that Lady Shiva is in the woods training some members of these ninjas that's present around here. And Oracle is letting them know, keep away, but something causes them to go ahead and try to follow her. I do like her being called the most dangerous woman alive because I was like thinking like, is that is that the fair assessment? Because I guess Talia isn't really in this, in this show at all. <laughs> uh, so I guess I'll, I'll go with Lady Shiva. So they follow Lady Shiva to a facility and they're about to go in. But Oracle's like, yo, Batman's already in there. He's already <laughs> he's got a nice hammock set up. He's he's good. <laughs> he's got like, his he's, iced tea on deck. <laughs> he's, he's, he's fine. And, you know, we get a quick we get a quick reminder from Nightwing to bring on that you're not ready to tackle the league yet. Be patient. Trust me. We're doing everything we can to get Tara, Tara. And we cut back to Santa Prisca, where it's revealed that Cassandra, Cassandra Savage is one of the shadows working right alongside with Lady Shiva. And in addition to that, Deathstroke is now the official <laughs> head of the shadows, mm-hmm. which is just a wild, wild thing to hear. And we get a quick exchange that harps back on a previous episode where Cassandra mentioned I was roommates with Tara at one point. And Shiva says, don't get attached. You know, mm-hmm. learn not to get attached. And Cassandra's like, yeah, I've recently learned don't get attached to anyone. So a nice callback to the previous episode. And as where the shadow plot is getting darker by the minute, we cut back to some locker room talk with some high school boys. Yes, this is the question that has been on their minds for ever since, I don't know, they first saw them appear on screen. If you had superpowers, who would you try to get with? Wonder Woman, Black Canary, who else is on the list? And it is a wild conversation because, one, none of them would ever have this chance. Let's be honest. I was like, bold of you to assume any of them are interested. <laughs> right. Like, this gave me Shazam 2 vibes. It's oh, my like, goodness. Not even, not even Captain Marvel Shazam will have a chance with Wonder Woman. Why would you think, you regular Joe Schmo? <laughs> 
Um, so as they're having this conversation, we do see that they tried to engage Victor um, to see like who he might be interested in if he has superpowers. But this kind of stems back to our previous conversation between Victor and uh, his father, where, as we know from their relationship, Silas is very heavily into trying to, in his way, fall in line with just the idea that like there are better human beings by which he means by superhuman individuals. So Victor growing up, hearing all these conversations, he's just like, I don't want to be like that because clearly all of my accomplishments would never um, will fail in, will pale in comparison to what you even Superman like stopping a car, even though I caught like a football for a hundred yards. Um, so he tells the team that he doesn't care about that. It's time to focus on the game. Um, but we do see that one important character does pop in to provide some feedback of his own about who he would date. Because yes, that is right. We have the Flash's very own Cisco Ramon, who comes in to let us know that if he has superpowers, he would try to go for Zatanna. And we all know that that's a that's a no go because uh, Robin already done <laughs> did that. Yes, let's go, man. Maybe when you get the vibes and you can take her to exotic locales. I mean, that's a pretty good if you can portal and breach her to like the Bahamas in an instant. I even though she could probably do that herself. Yeah, so I was not that that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry, Cisco. You're out of your league on this one. <laughs> also, great, uh, great little callback that uh, Kari Payton is playing a different character in the scene mm-hmm. that isn't uh, Victor Stone. So a nice little change of saying like, okay, I'm here, but I'm not doing cyborg this one time, guys. <laughs> so we cut back to Santa Prisca where Batman, now upon learning that Tara is no longer on the island, I keep saying Tara for some reason. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's actually spelled out Tara. And you know what? I will honestly say it makes sense because ain't Tar basically just liquefied Earth? Yeah, but I think they're going for Terra because Terraform, Terra, Earth, you know, I think that's why they want it. But so try to help you, man. Yeah, I know. (laughs) It's the Kara Kara thing all over again. Um, (laughs) So Batman, upon learning that Terra is no longer on Santa Prisca, says, all right, guys, we're done here. Let's let's go back. But Bane pulls up and says, buenas noches. (laughs) No one gets off the island without me knowing. And Batman, with the coldest line this season, Yo. drops a list of everybody who got off the island without they knowing. This man, <laughs> that was a critical hit right off the jump. Word. And he walked up smooth with it, too. Every step, Robin, Aqualad, Artemis. Like, damn, at this point, he might as well just list the whole entire Justice League. <laughs> this was just disrespectful. Obviously, though, Bane was just like, all right, I'm going to have to hit you so you can shut up now. <laughs> so right when the st- fight is starting, we cut back to the Harper household where Violet is getting enrolled for school, but she doesn't have a last name. They try a few options. She doesn't want her original name because she just doesn't feel attached to the Gabriel Dow identity and they eventually Roy's like Roy by then I mean Will the of the worst Roy squad <laughs> Will just goes look everybody borrows my last name you can have it too <laughs> so she is named Violet Harper and as they're settling around having a nice little moment Will turns 
and it's he senses something and he it's revealed that Cheshire is outside watching and will really at this moment it's a good again really good follow-ups to previous episodes um will is trying to say come inside you're right here your daughter is right over there but she refuses she says she just can't accept that life she cannot have it both ways and does not think she is would be good for her daughter so she kind of establishes she's not coming back this will probably be the last time they even see each other so while we get that downbeat note it's back to business on santa prisca yes and during this battle we learn something brand new that bane no longer needs venom uh, apparently now he is strong enough to go toe to toe with Batman, which I was just like, hey, weren't you already strong enough to go toe to toe with Batman <laughs> without the venom? But okay, um, he but... did his Creed training arc <laughs> off screen. <laughs> <laughs> he trained with Damian Diamond, and this is why he was getting all that work. <laughs> um, so as Batman and Bane are engaging in battle, we got Katana and Metamorpho who are running over to try and help, but they get stopped by Deathstroke and Lady Shiva who show up to even the odds a bit. Uh, this is where we get a little moment in which Deathstroke looks over at Shiva or, and states, which one do you want? And Lady Shiva says she wants Katana, and this is mainly because this is this is a sword battle waiting to happen. Um, I do also like the fact that it kind of matched up color scheme wise. This is just me thinking about it where it's just like Lady Shiva and Katana have very similar color schemes in, in this outfit here. And Metamorpho and Deathstroke had a very similar color <laughs> outfit like set. Um, so this leads into a great battle between all of them. Uh, Katana and Lady Shiva actually have a moment in which Lady Shiva states that she knows that her sword, her sword Soul Taker is the best sword in the world. However, she knows that she's the better source. She's the best swordsman of the world. And she knows that like by the end of this, she wants to take that sword for herself. And Katana was just like, you could try to take this sword, but I got another one ready for you. And it is a great fight. Um, we also do see that fortunately Metamorpho is bulletproof because Deathstroke done let out every single bullet that he had mm. into metamorpho much to his disdain and as this is going down they realize that look the cover's blown more league uh shadow members are coming so the only thing that they can do is just make a quick exit as explosive as possible so thankfully oracle who is piloting the bat plane remotely um destroys the santa prisca defense systems uh <laughs> Bane is quite upset because he knows he's going to lose a star in his Airbnb location. But this this uh, distraction allows for Batman, Katana, and Metamorpho just enough time to escape. Yeah, it was it was a great battle, but they were just it was pointless. Ultimately, there was just no <laughs> even if they yeah. won, they wouldn't really accomplish anything. They're on an island full of assassins. So we cut back to Victor, who in a clever twist on his catchphrase, "Booyah." Everyone is chanting booyah. Um, his, it's like a team rallying cry. So it's, mm. it's, it's a great twist on that mythos. And he, at this point, again, it's evident that Silas skipped everything. You know, he's getting college recruitment notices and everything, but Silas Stone just wasn't there for his son. And at this point, 
we have we see what Silas was doing and he's getting a father box. And as we hear about Victor seeing getting great things in the future, they see great things in their future. We also see the father box before the next episode. Yes, we hop on over to another freak where I do believe this is short for another freak out because Victor came through with a <laughs> vengeance to yell at his father, um, accusing him of caring more about his work than he cares about his son. Uh, care, and even to the point where we have already mentioned how many times Silas Stone has been a bad father. But I think this may actually be the worst because this man said, you can go to any college that you dream of as long as you get your grades up. And Victor yells out, well, I got a 4.0. <laughs> you want me to break the, the whole system? Right. <laughs> I don't think that's possible. <laughs> yeah, I've heard, I've heard rumors of like a 5.0 GPAs, but honestly, come on, man. And if you wait, actually have to ask if you out there have more than a 4.0 GPA at any point in your life, please show us your report card. I just need to see it. <laughs> yeah, just just the total. We don't need to see right. the name. We just saw the total. And um, I also want to mention here a very important safety tip. Yes. If you have cables connecting to alien tech that has been known to be called pure evil, tape the damn cables down. All right. It'll take you a minute max. And it could save lives because, unfortunately, in Victor's rage, he trips over a very loose cable. OSHA, somewhere an OSHA agent is crying. <laughs> and as the cable comes loose and energy starts flying around, Victor turns to his dad, very sadly says, Dad, as an explosion ripples through the lab. This cuts through our title sequence. And then we cut on over to Happy Harbor where Brion is once again looking at his phone at now this time a news article talking about uh, Prince or King Gregor's approach to what he's done in Markovia. Uh, Forger is asking him, like, Forger, let's also just put this out there to Forger, is still heavily naked. Uh, because, <laughs> uh, he is growing back a lot of his exoskeleton, but he does question why does Brion always look at his smartphone? Like, there, there are other things in the world to look at. Um, especially the, given the fact that he should be looking at the fact that Violet and Fred and um and uh, Forger are about to start their first day of school, as Artemis brings out Violet Harper now, who is very excited. She keeps on flying in the air, so there's this like nice, funny little joke in which Artemis has to keep reminding her, "Please get on the ground." <laughs> um, and she's also brought forth bringing in another full circle moment. A glamour charm for Forger to use as it was created by Satana and will now give Forger a human looking identity so that he can attend school with his friend Violet Harper. And they also decide to give him the new human name, which he, I want to say, has some fun with. Yes, I hope you like every time he says Fred Bug with two G's because he's every minute he's going to mention <laughs> this. I think uh, that. I think this is honestly, since we've gone into the more adult range for these sets of episodes, this is a drinking game. You will be plastered. <laughs> oh, my. You, you won't survive. You'll be as messed up as Victor. Speaking of which, so <laughs> <laughs> we cut back to the lab and look at the ruins and Silas is OK. Somehow he was completely unharmed. 
but they find Victor under the rubble. And this is a gruesome scene. His Victor's hand is twitching involuntarily. And when they look at him, he's a half of his body essentially is a kind of a two faced situation mm-hmm. where he has missing skin. His eye is beyond repair. He's barely clinging to life. And everyone is saying, Silas, we're not getting him to a hospital. This is, it's a wrap. It's its over. You need to start saying your goodbyes. And Silas, remembering Father Boxes are used to heal organic material, decides to try it on Victor. And upon putting it on Victor, inorganic material from the floor blends with Victor and forms this kind of metal cocoon. And all they can do now is wait to see how it happens. And contrasting this very dark scene, first time, first day of school, everybody. First, <laughs> first time going to school. Uh, yes, uh, Violet and Fred are now in front of the class. They are being introduced by the teacher. Um, I think the teacher's name was Miss Paris. Uh, so they, as they're being introduced, it shows Sorry. that Paris France just came in my mind again. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no. No. This is not Powers France. <laughs> Remove him from your mind. <laughs> Let's hope that he never returns. <laughs> uh while they're in front of the class, Violet and Fred are just introducing each other to the class and they are just saying how hopeful they are that they make some friends and this turns into of course because it is high school, these kids are just like wirely listening to this um so violet and fred head on over to the back uh soon after we do see that harper Rowe enters the classroom as well and she's a blue-haired individual who quickly makes a joke about the fact that she's late and this is where she decides to sit into the back of the class next to fred and and violet and they have a conversation which goes on for way too long about understanding each other's names yeah the and also, like, there is no way any teacher would let that conversation go for as that long, even though they're Word. whispering. There's there's no way. There's no way. So as we get another glimpse of Victor, a scientist even, I love the, the background voices again. Um, the scientist is like, oh, man, this is insane. This is what are you doing, man? And Victor comes back to life like it's a scene ripped out of Frankenstein of him coming back to life and slowly starting to realize where he is, what what's going on. Um, we also get, after that, we cut back to Brion, where he is, again, obsessively checking anything going on with Markovia to the point where he's trying to go on the computer and check what's going on, trying to get any information he can, but the computer is not having it. And... Nightwing shows up. I presumably he was watching all the yeah. logins, looking at the history. <laughs> and once he announces that Terra wasn't on Santa Prisca, he also says, like, look, we tried everything we could. Rion turns it around and says, Your delays caused us to miss Terra, which leads to a a fight between Nightwing and Brion. And this is, uh, this if Brion had control of his powers, this could have been a one-sided battle, but Nightwing just completely mops the floor with him and then hits him with a quote that just 
makes you think about everything and going on in your life too. He goes, are you a man looking back at what he's lost or a man looking at forward at what he might become? And just walks away because he's as cold as his mentor, Batman. <laughs> yes, it is. It is a very great line because it does question what is Brion's next steps. Like we've seen this transition of his anger being guided into different directions, but all of it still constantly stems from the fact that he is looking to his past about what happened with Terra, why he decided to do what he wanted, what he did to gain these abilities, rather, it, you know, knowing that it was by force, but ultimately there was a part of him that did want to have these abilities so that he could go and find Terra. Um, so think when that all comes into play, he decided, Dick decides to just walk away as we get like one quick shot of Brion looking at his smartphone one more time. It's off now, um, but we do question like, is he going to turn back on? Meanwhile, we head on over to uh to school one more time violet and fred decide to go outside for lunch during the rainstorm or it was just a very dark and cloudy day <laughs> which is really weird <laughs> um they are trying to figure out where they're going to sit because clearly they were not welcome to sit anywhere in the building by any of the students and to that i would say kids come on there's like enough space at a lunchroom table that even if you don't like somebody you 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 can still sit at the same table and not interact with them. Be be better. I mean, I don't know. Harvey Happy Harbor might you know have like two lunch tables and you know budget cuts. I don't know. Get the new principal on that. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. Snapper, what are you doing, man? You gotta start hanging around with the Justice League or at least start fundraising. <laughs> take take lessons from Jeff. He can give you some some pointers <laughs> on running a school. <laughs> so. While Violet and Fred are outside, they uh, meet back up with Harper, who invites them to sit on the bleachers on the football field. Um, this is when Violet starts to remark that she's starting to feel very sick for some reason as they just to continue to consume their food. We hop back over to what's happening over at Star Labs, where little by little, um, the Victor being trapped in the father box, things start opening up around him. Uh, to which we now see the full extent almost of what has happened to Victor while he's been in this reparative state. Yeah, Victor is also feeling strange and, and you know, echoing what's going on with Violet. And upon realizing what's happened to him, what his father did, the transformation without his permission, he just starts raging and he just completely loses control of himself and starts attacking everybody in the room. And I feel so bad for these Star Lab security people because you're facing Cyborg. Like, it's, it's yeah. a wrap, man. I it's will say, though, that one <laughs> dude, not um, not the one that's been popping up. I think his name was Casey. The other guy, he, he came through with his nightstick and swung it around like he was ready to mess something up. He learned some stick food from, from Nightwing in some way, shape, or form. Unfortunately, though, he definitely got thrown to the thrown across the room. So I apologize in advance for amping him up. Uh, but it was cool in the moment. Yeah, we need the Roy security squad here. Like that. <laughs> don't don't feel bad, guys. Yeah. And while this is happening, we cut back to school where Violet. Um, is, again, feeling bad. I do love the quick joke about, like, why do we have English when we're fluent in the language? 
Uh, That's a great little joke. And <laughs> as she's feeling bad, she suddenly turns indigo and opens a boom tube, walks right through it, but doesn't take Fred Bug. And when she walks through, she finds that she is right next to Cyborg, who immediately calls her an abomination. And she corrects him saying, I'm a freak. And that's a good thing, you know, repeating what Harper said. And then Victor goes, your friend was wrong <laughs> and tries <laughs> to take down Halo. And it's a pretty savage fight um, where Cyborg is really, well, Halo is all defensive and Cyborg is really trying to, to get her. But thankfully, Violet has the control alt delete function programmed inside her body and is able to reset Victor Stone before things get too out of hand. Yeah, and with that, now that Victor has gotten back his wits about what's going on, it leads into uh, Violet reopening the boom tube that she had created before. However, before they she leaves, um, Victor asks, like, can he go with her? And she doesn't know how to answer that because Silas immediately interrupts and says, well, wait, I want you to stay here with me because I really want to help you, son. And Victor drops the truth about what was truly happening for him, where even though he was being controlled by the father box or this, the thing that's in him, he doesn't call it quite a father box yet, but he said, even though I'm being controlled by that, that murderous rage, that was that thing. But all the anger and the disappointment, that is something that I personally am feeling right now. I don't want to be around you where I have so much resentment about your actions, about what you've done to me. So he decides that the best course of action is to follow Violet through this boom tube as Silas has just to sit, has just to sit there and just think about what he's actually done to his son. Because at the end of the day, he is blaming himself for the fact that his son not only has left him, but he's also turned his son into this. And as we see what happens as they go to the boom tube, they open back up to Happy Harbor High School where they're greeted by Fred Bug with two G's and again, who are just waiting, trying to figure out what's happened here. Yeah, and McGann quickly realizes, okay, we're going to have another visitor in the house <laughs> as she seems very willing to take on this additional responsibility. And in a, one of the most effective shots, I think, in the show's history, mm. we have, since they boom tubed into a high school we get victor walking out into the football field looking out and just saying nothing and you know for us to realize his career his life he's about to leave all of that behind and as we get that very downbeat note from victor we see brion and nightwing have reconciled a bit and they're sitting together and just looking out on the beach together, having a quiet conversation. Nightwing asks, very softer than he ever has with Brion, are you okay? And really, and Brion is optimistic. And, you know, it really shows how much their relationship has been evolving mm -hmm. uh, so far. And on that note, we end. Oh, wait a minute. We got to check in one thing on Lobo's finger. <laughs> 
Yes, because during the uh, span of these last couple of episodes and two after credit scenes, we do see that Lobo's finger has been regrowing in some way, shape or form. So um excited to see how that plays out. But before we get an answer to that, we're going to leave you with a podcast from the Forgotten Entertainment family that you should be listening to the next time you're not listening to us. like beer do you like podcasts do you like beer podcasts then check out crack and one open a podcast about brews news and pop culture reviews every week we crack open a new craft beer from breweries around the country and sometimes the world we'll talk about how it was made what's in it the history of the brew and the brewery then we'll give our tasting notes and while we're finishing up we'll talk about some of the latest goings on in the world of pop culture so check out crack and one open with mike and elise part of the forgotten entertainment family All right. Uh, now that we've wrapped up the Kill Switch episodes here, uh, which episode from episodes nine through eleven are you giving the most whelmed award episode to? I always love when it's hard, and this week was three really solid ones in a row. I really like the nuclear option side plot with mm-hmm. Orm, particularly in the first episode. Uh, it's just the ending with the whole assassination was. The, the point was to establish something they could have easily gotten <laughs> intel on any other way was weird. So it came down to exceptional human beings and another freak, which we just talked about. Mm-hmm. And just by a hair, I'm giving it to exceptional human beings. And here is why. Exceptional human beings focuses on three really strong plot lines. It focuses on setting up Victor Stone, it's sets up going to Santa Prisca. And we get some a follow up on the Will Cheshire. And it's all it even though the Victor Stone stuff isn't explicitly connected to the League of Shadows, it just feels like a natural if you're going to take a side plot anywhere, it feels very natural. So all over, I think the plots each had a good strength, some really good internal stuff going on. Everything is really strong. Another freak, what holds it back is Fred Bug with two G's. Oh my uh, God. Yes. <laughs> not him explicitly. But what this episode does is because we're dealing with intensely dark subject matter with Victor, it does feel the need to, and Brion for that matter, it felt the need to inject some really light comedy into the other aspects, which I understand and I sympathize with. So it's not a relentless, depressing fest. But it was such in contrast when you see Victor lying open, skin mm-hmm. just in tatters. And then it's Fred Bug with two G's. Fred Bug with two G's. Fred Bug. It just feels odd. Or my so, favorite, Fred Bug with two optional G's. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It was it was too much. Harper Row reminded me of Gotham Knights. Um, no, that's not a <laughs> knock. That's not a serious knock, but it did. I got a I got a flashback for a second. But yeah, I think um I think they did try too much to overcorrect for uh another freak which in all other regards is a spectacular episode with a lot of good stuff especially with Victor, but I think think exceptional human beings has it all. Batman being cold, really good plot lines and really good setup and payoffs for what's come in the past and what's coming next. Uh what about you? Yeah, I um I will say I definitely agree with another freak. I it was a strong episode, especially because it's just like I loved all the cyborg stuff. 
great dialogue. The only thing, like you mentioned, the it was beating on a dead horse with the Fred Bucks two G <laughs> thing. It it just got it felt like you were writing a paper and that you were trying to get the words out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and originally I was gonna give my most whelmed warm episode to Home Fires because I felt like it was as if you see act um action that was happening all the time with like Lobo. Like I felt like he did not disappoint in just like what he did. But I am flipping my decision right now. Game oh. time switch. I am giving this to exceptional human beings. Um, audible, audible oh. alert. Call Victor. <laughs> so this, like you mentioned, it's uh it's great to kind of see those these scenes kind of come into play with like victor and even just thinking about calling it exceptional human beings because given the fact that like more or less everybody involved in this in these episodes are individuals who don't have superpowers mm. um so i do like that sense and also i think it was the fact that compared to the rest of these episodes there's hardly any dialogue in it but it still conveys such a strong message by the end of like you know um there's so many you can do as much as you can um, but sometimes it just doesn't go into your favor. Sometimes you don't win. There is always going to be, unfortunately, something better. But it is great to see this highlight of like the exceptional human beings of like Silas Stone, who has all this knowledge about um, you know science and technology, and also being a bad father. Um, <laughs> Victor, who is who apparently completed a crazy like record breaking touchdown pass. Uh, Katana, given her hair skill set. Batman, Metamorpho has abilities, but will but he's a part of this team. And also Lady Shiva and Deathstroke are two exceptional human beings. They do not have superpowers in any way, shape, or form. So I think seeing how strong of a story that was built out with very little dialogue, and also it helps to set the uh the pacing for like what's happening on the villain side of things. Cause we just got mentions of these things where it's just like Raish in the rescue op episode mentions that he's no longer the head. Here we get the explanation for that. In uh, the previous episode, we see that there's a whole new set of the light. Here's an explanation that um, Deathstroke is leading the league here while Lady Shiva is acting now as the new enforcer of the light. So I do appreciate that we got this like ground setting moment of just like what is happening now on the villain side of things. And I think exceptional human beings is great in putting all that together, especially with just some cra- crazy like fight scenes and also the little humor of metamorpho smelling like a fart. Oh yeah, yeah. And there are there are so, we didn't go into every detail, but there are a lot of little moments in exceptional human beings that also stand out. One particular one I didn't mention earlier was that uh, when metamorpho is adapting, at one point in the battle, Deathstroke he turns mm. into a fart, and Deathstroke throws a bomb. <laughs> that explodes in Metamorpho's face and he's put in pain. And Deathstroke thinks, oh, I got him now and tries to go in for the killing blow. And Metamorpho says, that's my secret, Captain. I'm always in pain. And he <laughs> says it with a smile on his face, mm-hmm. something so dark and to, to say, especially to an enemy. And, you know, it's that little character moment that tells you so much more about Metamorpho than if, if he had been talking the whole episode, which he hadn't up to that point. So right. just that one line, I was like, I know who Metamorpho is. He's this person who has been put through the ringer. He's in pain constantly, and he could use his powers for anything, but he chooses to help find a girl that is lost and wants to get home. 
that really tells me a lot about him. And that, again, he did he didn't need a whole bunch of dialogue to say it. It was just there. It was just mm-hmm. there in the animation and that one single line. Yeah. So exceptional human beings, he did exceptional work here. That is definitely what I'll definitely say for this episode. I'm again nothing against these episodes except for Fred Bug with two G's too many times. Um, but it also with exceptional human beings, we do get something really cool that jumps us over to our comic book section of the day, um, where we get introduced to the league. And no, I do not mean the Justice League. We are talking today about the League of Assassins. Um, this is a group that we have probably have had so much experience with over the years because we have seen them. On the big screen um, through the Christopher Nolan Batman era, we've seen them on the small screen with the um, the Arrow TV show and different animation shows. So we are well versed on what the what the League of Assassins are. Uh, but if in case you don't know who they are, um, the League of Assassins first premiered in December 1968 in issue number 215 of Strange Adventures by Dennis O'Neill and Neil Adams. So um, the Neils here, you kind of know them as like they are a part of like creating the martial arts side of the Batman storytelling, a lot of which kind of connects with um, Rachel Ghoul as the League of Assassins was the ancient army that was led by Rachel Ghoul and operated as kind of like the fang that protects the head of the demon. That is actually what they're referred to as the in the comics. Oh, that's a they should go with that name. I kind of <laughs> like that one. <laughs> Word. Actually, I was thinking about that. I was just like, come on, like Tali Hall Ghoul, Rachel Ghoul. I don't know what Fang is, but like Fang Al Ghoul sounds pretty cool. Yeah. So, and we've talked about them like some, at least like some members of the league in the past, like Bronze Tiger, uh, Black Spider, Bane, Damian Wayne. Uh, we haven't mentioned him in, before, but Malcolm Merlin, uh, the Black Archer, Dark Archer. I think actually Dark Archer. <laughs> I yeah. Think a... he, he wanted to be PC. He saw the film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but honestly, the list goes on. And... And it feels like if you have any kind of superior martial arts skills in the DC universe, there's a strong possibility you were probably in the league. You could think about it like that. So although Raish organized the league, he was actually not their true trainer or leader. Uh, their first trainer was a man by the name of Ebenezer Dark. Uh, not Damien Dark. This is actually mm-hmm. someone completely different. So he also went by the name Dr. Dark. He trained them on manipulation, strategy. If it ensured victory through the means of like uh, Art of War by Senzu, it... it Wait, is that actually the name? <laughs> uh, I... I... Mm, no <laughs> i'm not 100 percent sure <laughs> i feel like that's a batman character for some reason <laughs> anyway if it dealt with the art of war dr dark taught that to the league uh so uh, sun however Tzu. sun, Tzu, sun Tzu. yes yeah oh, there we go <laughs> and also you're saying he was the original founder of cobra kai you're saying yes <laughs> okay yes Johnny Johnny knew what he was doing. He he looks yeah. to him and and thinks about him every day before he learns a new move. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so Dark will help train the league and bring them up to where they are at this point in time. However, Dark did have a falling out with Raish, and in doing so, this caused a split between league members and the crew that he took, 
they decided that the best way to add a little bit of insult to injury was to kidnap Talia as a way to get back at Rachel Gould. Mm, that does not sound like a good idea. <laughs> no, it's not. Because um, this is something that we've talked about in the past. This is what led into Batman number 232 in uh, June or July of 1971. This is actually how we got introduced to Rachel Gould in DC Comics. Uh, because Rachel Gould would then use his League of Assassins to kidnap Robin so that Batman was forced to go and find Talia al Ghul in order to save Robin. You could have just asked, you know, like, hey, right? Can you do me a solid real quick? You know, like, give you a little money, just give me a little task rabbit or something real quick. <laughs> task rabbit would have been perfect. <laughs> um, at the end of this, though, Dark does quote unquote die. I think he does come back, um, trying to stop Batman from completing his mission. Unfortunately for Dark, it's Batman. He always wins. Because uh, of plot armor. <laughs> and after that, the next person to lead and train the league is the estranged father of Rachel Ghoul Sensei. Um, mm-hmm. Or old Sensei. Uh, these actually might be two different individuals, but Sensei is usually the name that goes by him. And this is the person that we actually see on our Rescue Op episode of, um, of the Young Justice series. So he would train the league. He trained them to be even deadlier than they already were. So this is where we got that like crazier, um, more cuts wrote set of assassins versus plus now adding that into like these people who know manipulation and strategy. So we got basically like a billion Batmans walking around. Oof. Um, but now here's where it gets crazy. Uh, so I don't know if this is actually true, but I do believe there is probably a shadow war happening out there between people who call them the League of Assassins and the League of Shadows. I'm here to end that war to let y'all both to let y'all know you're both right. Ah, <laughs> uh, PR rebrand. Yes, <laughs> and no. <laughs> so what happened was that um. This started because when Christopher Nolan came out with Batman Begins, he wanted to change the name from the League of Assassins to League of Shadows because he felt that the Batman character, Bruce Wayne character he created, would not want to actually join a team that was called League of Assassins, given his own convictions of what he wanted to do Um, Mm -hmm. in the past. Definitely was different. Like, you know, Batman was going to get trained by that. But... So this is when Christopher Nolan decided to call them League of Shadows in the movie. It was such a popular name change that eventually inspired a change in the comics. And in May 2017, uh, DC released Batman Detective Comics issue number 952, in which takes place during the DC Rebirth universe. So a uh, quick reminder, DC Rebirth is basically New 52's ending, but combines the story of pre and post Flashpoint so that it kind of explains things happening in a similar timeline. So like Barbara Gordon getting shot and paralyzed by the Joker in pre-Flashpoint um, turned into for new for Rebirth that she got some kind of surgical implant that allowed her to move again and um, operate as Batgirl. So that is basically what DC Rebirth did. And they did a similar thing to the League here. Okay, so <laughs> I just love like, you have something his, like really substantial, like Barbara is back in action and a little name change for the league. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so in the comic from issue 952, 
is shared that the League of Shadows is actually a small faction within the League of Assassins that was led and trained by Lady Shiva, who is considered the deadliest assassin in the DC universe. Oh, okay. So it's an internal thing. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And I don't mean that by like deadliest female assassin. <laughs> no, she is the deadliest assassin. If you see Lady Shiva in your hood, run. <laughs> she, she will kill you. She's equal opportunity in that kind of thing. Uh, but basically, just like the League of Assassins, they, they knew everything. However, they were trained to the ultimate point where they became the ultimate kill squad for anything that Rache wanted to be done, like an endangered covert sense. The DC rebirth approach to that was that they always existed. Um, Batman thought that they were a myth. Think of like the Court of Owls kind of scenario, mm-hmm. but he just never believed they were true. Even though in today's WTF moment in comics, he actually always knew they existed and discovered they existed multiple times. But every single time that he found out that the League of Shadows existed, Rachel Gu will wipe his memory so that he will believe that he only fought against the League of Assassins and Rachel Gu himself. So that's what Rachel Gu chooses to erase out of everything he could erase from Batman's memory. <laughs> hey, don't remember the League of Shadows, guys. Like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it is weird. It is honestly so weird. But um, it does come to a head when in this story um, from DC Rebirth, where Lady Shiva has decided to steal the shadows for her own personal gain, and Batman has to now um, battle against all that while fighting against like every single person who's a part of this League of Shadows. Uh, it ties in also because at this point, we do have Cassandra Kane, who is a part of this detective comic story. Uh, Cassandra Kane is the daughter of Lady Shiva and is also the daughter of one of the other assassins that was a part of this League of Shadows team called David Kane. So all of this comes to a head when they are all introduced and they all have to fight against each other. And that is how the League of Shadows made their way into the more mainstream comics. Um, it is funny, though, because we do tend the the name Shadows was used in the past. So in Batman, the animated series, they called it the Society of Shadows. However, I think um, now that Batman uh, from the animated series has continued comic book run, they've decided to find a way, just like here, to show that they were a different faction of the the League of Assassins. And then throughout time, uh, prior to the Christopher Nolan era, this is where we got more so of like the Society of Assassins or the League of Assassins, where we kept going with that. But then after the movie came out is where we finally started getting more of the call for the League of Shadows, especially in this um, in our show here, which happened to play out right after the events of DC Rebirth, introducing the League of Shadows and showing how Lady Shiva is now the new trainer to tie it back to our comic book history here. So the takeaway here is that Christopher Nolan started a civil war. Yep, basically. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Just mm-hmm. confirming for everyone. Yep. Just creating explosions, not only in Oppenheimer. <laughs> Detonating bombs. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that is the long story of of um, the League of Shadows versus the League of Assassins. Um, it all depends. I realize now that it all depends on like who is leading the team at that moment, the League at that moment. If you have Lady Shiva, it's a shadow. Uh, so I'm excited to see how that plays out in the future and more storytelling, especially here in our Young Justice series. 
However, that does conclude our episode for today. Um, so we'll be back next week as we wrap up the first half of the set of season three that was first premiered on DC Universe. Um, in the meantime, check us out on our socials, our Patreon. Feel free to give there. We are always welcome to any support you might give to uh, help us along our DC adventures. And in the meantime, take care of yourselves and remember... If you can turn into a gaseous cloud, make sure you don't stink. And please, for the love of God, tie down your cables. <laughs> Apocalypse cables, regular cables. If they're cables, tie them down. You will, <laughs> so you don't trip or become a robot. Thanks again for listening. Yet Another DC Animated Podcast is a proud part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. If you liked what you heard, leave a review and share us with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts and on social media at YADC Animated Pod.